Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There is a story for everyone here, because every story matters. Welcome everyone to the Storybooks. This is the place to be if you are a lover of stories, learning new and interesting things, and if you want to grow abundantly. My name is Jay Phantom, and I believe it's my purpose to help you realize your worth and become the greatest and best version of you possible. I am grateful that you're here today. Now let's journey into the Storybooks together and hear more about whose story will be unboxed today. For anyone that feels like they'll never be able to live the life that they have dreamed of, or for those people that may be listening to this that don't know their life has meaning, then this conversation is definitely for you. My guest today is none other than the incredible Gabrielle Conte, who many of you may know as being a very, very famous online creator, but he's been able to create the life the others may have dreamed of. He's married to the love of his life, Jess, who happens to be a fellow Australian, which is pretty cool. He's also an entrepreneur in multiple fields. He nurtures great relationships with his parents, siblings, and he's sustaining a vibrant relationship with God that's at the heart of everything that he does. And it's quite evident what you are able to see uh, during his, his videos and what he actually talks about. Uh, with other people as well. But all this didn't happen overnight, believe it or not. It's not an overnight success as we do end up uh, talking about during this conversation. Gabrielle has worked incredibly hard and almost, in fact, a lot of the time with a great deal of intention to get to where he is today. Gabrielle has a brilliant new book out called A Mission for Meaning, The Choices That Lead to the Life you really want. And I highly encourage people to go and get a copy of this book, mainly because I firmly believe that Gabrielle's life is a true testament to a young man that worked really, really hard to get to where he is today. And he's now reaping the rewards of the fruits of his labor. But he's got to, ha- he's got to deal with the results of fame. He's got to deal with the results of potential burnout. It's got to deal with the highs and lows and the pressures and you name it that do come along with being a household name. And we do touch on a lot of these things during our conversation. So I I really, really enjoy this one and I hope that you guys get a lot out of it. There (laughs) There is actually a lot that Gabrielle and I have in common, which you'll hear during this conversation. 
So if you do get something from it, please share it around to your friends and your family. Let everyone know about this one. You can get Gabrielle's book, A Mission for Meaning. Links for that will be in the show notes below. You can also get a copy of my book, The Path of an Eagle. It's now available on auto, audio, Audible. The audio version is now available uh, pretty much wherever you want to get your, your audio book. Uh, you can get it on Amazon if you like or wherever else. Um, but I hope that you guys enjoy listening or reading the book, which, whichever one you choose or you prefer. All right, my friends, you know what time it is. It is time to journey with me into this story box as we listen to the incredible wisdom, the advice, and the stories of none other than Gabrielle Conte. Thank you so much. What an intro. I feel... Uh... I feel a little boost of a little ego boost there. <laughs> you really pumped me up. <laughs> I'm glad, man. That's that's what it's about. You got to pump up the guests straight away and, and dive right into all the hard stuff uh, right yeah, after that's that. So <laughs> but um, no, I'm a big I'm a big words of affirmation guy. Like if the love languages, if you're familiar with those. So like anytime someone you know gives me pumps me up a little bit, I'm like, oh, I feel the love. <laughs> that's like me, man. Like sometimes I I can't. I don't know how to react to it, except my ego just jumps up and yeah. I'm like, oh, hey, calm down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, I'm humble, exactly. humble. You're a Christian, right? Like be, be yeah. humble. <laughs> but you That's can't so help good. yourself with that whole love language, right? So mm. I guess my 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 first question to you would be going off that that note. Um, how do you manage your your love language or the ego boost or or whatever? Like, because you are really, really famous. So how have you been able to manage the the the, the fame and, and the relationship around being humble in the midst of all that? Oh, yeah, I it's a it's a weird one, man. Like being able to just pull out my phone and getting to get immediate dopamine hits of, you know, people saying whatever about me, compliments or whatever it may be. I mean in for like in person or something like this, where I'm talking one on one and someone you know compliments my work or whatever it may be, I am really aware that my like emotional reaction, love language wise, is very positive to that. So I take that more of like, oh, I'm I'm accepting love from this person rather than I'm like inflating my ego, you know, and I'm I'm able to separate the two and really and welcome the compliments that I'm receiving without trying to inject that into like my own uh, pride and ego that I have. But yeah, over the years, it's definitely been um, a tough one to, to manage because those types of things, you don't even realize that it's happening while it's happening. And for me, it it never, whenever pride really started to swell up inside my heart, I guess that, that never really, I guess, manifested itself in an external way where like other people would say that guy's super prideful, but it it really had an impact on my identity. And that's one thing I was really, I, I kind of had to reflect on and learn about, about myself recently. There was a point in time where I was just thinking about my life, my career, everything that Justin and I built and all that stuff. And, and I was really sitting there thinking like, 
is my identity too attached to this thing? And if this were to go, if, you know, social media were to, I don't know, no longer exist for whatever reason, and my career's out the window, would I actually be okay? Like, would my heart be okay? Would my mind be okay? And um, I had to have like a really serious debate with myself in my head. And the, the answer I came to was actually no, like I wasn't, I was like, no, I'll actually, I would actually not be okay. Like I have a lot of my identity tied to what, um, to what my career is and, and everything that we built and stuff. So from there, I really, uh, for many years, most of what I did day to day was centered around my work. Yeah. And I really had to learn, like learn new hobbies and take on new hobbies, learn new things, take on new interests that started to, um, and this is even outside of my faith, just like practically just implement things that were practical things outside of, of social media, entertainment, career stuff that could really separate myself and separate other pieces of my heart and of my mind to things that were more like I'm doing this because I love it. And it's part of who I am rather than like the success. And I need to have this, you know, career, this many dollars or whatever it may be. So, um, that was one thing. And I, you know, I got a few, like, I think like two years ago, two or so years ago, I really got to formula one and that's been a really cool hobby. Well, I guess the hobby part of it for me is that I go go karting a lot, but um, it's interest. And then the hobbies like going go karting with with buddies and stuff like that, and and just those sorts of things. Really making sure that um, on the weekends I try and on Saturdays I don't work. On Sundays I mostly don't work. I'll we'll sometimes prepare for the week um, in the evening and filling up my Saturday with different hobbies. Whether I'm meeting with friends, playing sports, and really creating an environment that detaches me from that sort of identity that I kind of was, was clinging on to. So that's my very long winded, winded answer of how I <laughs> deal with, with, uh, the public figure, Gabriel Conti part of me. <laughs> There's a lot in there that you mentioned. So we got the whole idea of identity wrapped around the career that you've created for yourself mixed in with success. Also, I've, I normally ask people with the very start what does success look like for them but you mentioned something that is far more important which is towards identity which also gives us a sense of meaning and purpose and helps mm-hmm. us about with our daily life and what we're actually doing in our career and and my audience knows that i talk about distinguishing between i am versus i do and how that relates to purpose mm-hmm. so i think you having an open, honest conversation and debate with yourself about, okay, well, if this was all to go away tomorrow, would I still be worth something? Would I, would I be okay? What, what would that look like? And you saying, no, I wouldn't be okay. So now what have I got to do in order to make me be okay with this actual reality? And I think a lot of people might not be willing to be open and honest with that kind of thing, because if they've spent many, many years of hard labor and toil, which I'm sure you have and what you talk about in your book of trying to build this life that you've always dreamed of. And then all all of a sudden it just goes like that. It kind of feels like, well, what was the point of all that? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like 
was that part of your conversation that you're having with yourself? Yeah, no, I mean, it definitely was. And not, I, I have gotten to, I guess, a place now where I, you know, I'm very, I'm becoming very okay with failure <laughs> and very open to failing. Cause I don't know, I guess where I've gotten to now, now that we are in the public eye, it's in a sense, it's much more risky for me to just try something new because it's not just like a failure. It's a public failure and people see it, you know, and that's, it's, it's happened before. And it, that is what keeps me from like doing the next thing or whatever it may be. But, um, to go back to what you were saying, like if it were to, if I were to have like grown this whole thing and then, you know, some sort of failure happens or whatever, and it all goes away. Um, yeah, like realizing that 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 there's still purpose behind what I learned, like in, in in within the failure and and what I can apply to the future because of the failure and all those things. Like even now, something I'm going through, I've been like wrestling with within my head. Even just this past week is, um, I'm I'm like learning a lot now of and thinking a lot of how to kind of take my my career to like the next level and what that's going to look like going into 2023 and um i'm doing a lot of learning right now and and within that learning i'm like oh my goodness if i only learned this four years ago and started applying this earlier and i'm like i probably wasn't ready for it anyway i wouldn't have been able to handle it you know like there's there's a bunch of different like i had to go through what i went through and i had to go through you know starting some companies that I had to eventually close down and, you know, whatever it may be to then get to the point where I am now and have this, I guess, fresh outlook of, and this, in this lens that recognizes what happened in the past and know how to apply it and, and and reapply myself in the future. Yeah. What does success look like for you today? Today? Um, I mean, I talk about it in my book where success I can't remember the exact you know definition that I use, but really success is um, achieving the goals that you set for yourself. Because not you know in today's day and age, when people say success, it's like oh financial success or yep. uh, you know career success or whatever it may be. But um, you know that's not always the case, and sometimes success in that area might be a failure in the rest of your life because your marriage may fail and your 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 family life may be a mess. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, so the way I look at success is achieving the goals that you set for yourself, whatever they may be. So, you know, for me, success looks like being the best husband I can be to my wife, the best father to my kids. Um, even, even, you know, career success is part of it, but it's not all of it. You know what I mean? And then really maintaining a solid relationship with God, those sorts of things are my like, parameter for success and how I, how I kind of gauge it and having these goals that I try and and reach. Another one is building a really strong community here in Nashville. Like that's something we don't know a lot of people here. We there's, you know, there's people that we know and um, it's starting to, you know, finding a church that we want to get involved in and kind of going from there and building a community. Um, That's part of the success that, I see in our family seats for, for our future. 
you have the the world's version of success, which teaches a lot of young people, especially that you need to have the high paying job, you need to have mm-hmm. stuff. But a lot of people, when they strive for it, and then and they achieve it, there's this empty feeling behind it. It's like, what have I given up along the way in order to to achieve this? I've given up true meaning and fulfillment, which is found in the mm-hmm. connections you have with people. And then also it's more about, as they say, I'm going to sound like a cliche at the moment, but it's more about the journey, right? Like the, mm-hmm. the failures you've had along the way is, is what I've often equated life to being quite successful. And, and I, if I'm not attributing my life to those things that I've, I've achieved well, like being a, a good son to my, my, my mm. parents, you know, being a good boyfriend or all those things, then I've missed the mark. I've missed out. Mm-hmm. Like I think I've I've failed myself in those areas, the most important areas. Forget all the stuff because that goes away pretty much really, really quickly or it can. Yeah. But the thing that really, really brings true meaning, I believe, is found in those meaningful connections that you have with family, friends, loved mm-hmm. ones, that sort of thing yeah. um, is the way I look at it. So, yeah. That's my perspective, at least. Yeah, love it. No, no, love it, man. Love it. That's spot on. I wanted to ask you about failures in your life. You mentioned that now you've got this more public uh, presence, and when you do fail, when you do stuff up, a lot of more, a lot more people know about it. Mm-hmm. What has been for you one of the biggest lessons regarding failure? Mm. Really, it's as painful as it may be. Failure sets you up for success. And if you're not willing to experience the failure, because it, you know, failing something sucks and it hurts and it can be painful, but you need to be willing to do that to get to the other side and then be even better than you were before. And you're going to learn, there's so much that you're going to learn through failure. Um, So even I, I I do talk about it in the book, but like at the beginning, at the beginning or end of last year, when we found out um, that Jess was pregnant and that we were going to have our first kid, I, and I knew it was like within the two, three weeks after getting the news, I was, you know, looking at my whole life because I knew a lot of it was going to change. And I recognized like, I need to operate differently than I'm operating now or else I'm, pro- I'm going to be a, bad dad. Um, and that had to kind of essentially lead me to willingly fail at a list of different things to scale back so that I could be more present and be more focused with, with my, my family and my wife and my daughter when, when the time came. And, um, yeah, I just had to make decisions on, different projects that I had that I needed to stop working on, you know, putting a pause on some things that maybe I'll come back to them. But for right now, right now, I just had to shelf them. And there was, there's quite a few things that I just kind of had to either hit the stop or pause button and um, just like literally fail myself, like make myself fail, like give myself an F, you know? And um, that was, that was like a, a crazy experience of, but what was funny is I, there was so much knowing 
the like stress that I had because of those things. And then uh, like an even greater sense of stress, trying to figure out what to do with those things and recognizing that I had to give, give myself a failing grade on those things. As soon as I did that, it was kind of a, it was a relief. And I was like, okay, now I, I can start fresh. I have this, like the slate is clean. And I've learned a lot from the experiences from all of these things. Now, new chapter, how do I apply myself and move forward? And that was like where I did a lot of the the growth of like failing and learning a lot about myself and like my weird relationship with failure and how I view it and how it emotionally affects me and all that stuff. Do you have any regrets? Um, it's a good question. No, uh, no, from the perspective of like my faith, knowing that personally, I know I was put through those things because I needed to learn from them. Yeah. Um, but obviously in an ideal world, I would have done things differently to achieve a different outcome if I knew, but I wouldn't, I did, I wouldn't have known if I didn't go through them. So, you know, if that makes sense. So like, yeah, I wish I knew beforehand. So I didn't make mistakes that I made, but no, because really I wouldn't have been where I am and understood that I needed to go through those failures if I didn't actually go through them. So in other words, it was all worth it. Yeah. Yeah, man. I think looking at life through kind of a lens of gratitude, even for the failures is much more healthy than, you know, reflecting negatively on things and wish wishing things turned out differently, you know? Yeah. That's yeah. Good point, man. When in your life, when you least expected God to show up in a big way that he did and it challenged your perspective of who he is. When I would was struggling with depression, there's three, three times specifically in my life where I was gotten to a point where I was like, I'm depressed and I need to, you know, work my way out of this hole. It was, when was it? It was the end of 2018, I think was the first time into the beginning of 2019 it was my first time. That was a whole crazy thing that I was trying to like deal with. Cause I didn't, you know, I didn't know what was happening at the beginning. And I was like, Oh, am I depressed? Um, you and know it happened again. On? Yeah. I was, um, really like stressing myself out with, with taking on too much work, burnout, essentially burnout that led to depression. And then then an existential crisis. <laughs> um, but yeah. And then the final, the, the next time I dealt with it was probably like a year later. I forget the exact time somewhere, probably in like 2020, end of 2019, 2020 ish. Um, and then at, at the end, almost a year ago, at the end of 2021, that was, I, I slowly, I recognized from the previous ones that I was adding things to my plate work-wise that were not meaningful to me. And I was doing them because they could probably get me further in my career, <clears throat> which is not bad, just was affecting me. Uh, then 
fast forward, um, get the news we're going to have a baby, going through all of these like decisions again, I've slowly added more to my plate of things that were meaningful, but I added back on too many things. And I was not, like if I was, you know, the center point of this graph, I'd take a few steps in one direction, but then I'd have to then take a few steps in another direction for this other thing, then take a few steps in another direction. Really, I wasn't moving anywhere. I was just kind of like floating around the same area. And I realized like most of my stress was due to having so many things I had to juggle. And then I was doing them all poorly because I wasn't focusing on one, on one or, you know, maybe like a max of three things. And, um, that, yeah, that, that made me realize and really reflect, reflect back on to really early in my career when I was only focusing on like making vines. That's where I started on vine. If you, you know what that is, a six second looping video app. Um, and at that point, like I was, that was, I was really happy with what I was doing. I was really just like hyper-focused on this one like that with like making YouTube videos and, you know, doing Instagram, then it was just pictures, but like, I was just focused on like the social media thing and growing that. And when I reflect back on that, I reflect on like a lot of like the really good memories I have there and how motivated I was and realized like, Oh wow. I did have like a really singular focus on this on uh, during that season, which was like growing the following to then, you know, be able to expand my career beyond it. But um, reflecting on those times gave me like a clear view of what I need to do now and not just try and start a new business or start a new project or whatever it may be. And this year has been like the year of finishing, closing or pausing projects um, to then kind of like get a clean slate so I can refocus. So I don't even know what I forgot what your question was, but that I think I answered it <laughs> in a roundabout way you did. So how yeah. did in all of that, as you're going through that stage of burnout, which led to depression, mm -hmm. how did God show up for you in that stage? Yeah, he, um, it was really him. kind of like being there the whole time, but me not recognizing it, which I know is kind of like a cliche, but yeah. And me, me just kind of like letting go and be like, all right, you just, I, I tried to do this myself and, you know, I'm depressed and unhappy and whatever. Um, you know, and, and with things that are good, like not, not, none of what I was doing was like terrible stuff. Like they were all good things. They just, I was handling them wrong. I was potentially doing, you know, for the sake of like the best thing I was choosing just like a good thing. And, um, God showing up for me in that season was really like anytime anxiety or depression really was overwhelming me. I really built a habit of prayer and being able to just like, lean on God and, and trust in him and just talk to him. Um, 
really even on like a really small level like going throughout the day and all of a sudden getting a wave of anxiety for whatever reason um that would you know trigger all these emotions and stuff like that and really learning to pause and pray and just reflect on um on him was one of the one of like the really clear ways that God was showing up for me in in, in that time which is really cool and of- you know I guess I guess like God showing up is a is like a weird way of saying it because he really was always there. It was me kind of like, just like turning towards him and and recognizing him. Um, Yeah. One of my favorite poems is uh, footprints in the sand. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've heard of that one, but it's talking about when you are going through your, your worst possible situation, even though you choose not to see it, God's actually carrying you through it. Mm-hmm. And we can blame him and ridicule him. And that, that's what I did in 2019, man, when I went through my crisis and mm-hmm. it was a really, really rough year for me. And then I, I blame God for everything, everything mm-hmm. I've been through in my life. And then at the end of it, he showed up for me and, and said, look, you chose not to see me, but I was, I was carrying you through all of this. Mm-hmm. And I protected you through this and I brought you to where you need to be. May not exactly be yeah. where you want to be, but it's exactly where you need to be right now so that I can show you exactly all the things that I have planned for you, your purpose, your identity, all these things. And out of that, this was born and so many other great things were born as a result. So it's all it all counts for something is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And it counts more when God's in the picture. When yeah. you choose to actually say, okay, God, what are you trying to show me here? Instead of why is this happening to me? I think flipping mm-hmm. that perspective is, is a crucial thing. And, and to be honest, man, it's hard to do that. Like I'm, I think. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm sounding like it's it's really, really easy because you've been through it, but 
Yeah, no, it's difficult. In in the actual moment, being able to say, okay, what is it? Being able to compartmentalize everything. Did you feel a ton of pressure on your shoulders with all those things going on? Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, a lot of it was self-inflicted. Yeah. But I, I don't know, I have a really high standard for myself. Same. And once it got to the point where there were so many things that I, like responsibilities that I gave myself work-wise and not being able to execute them at the potential that I, or at the level that I wanted to, uh, I would get, I would get really down on myself feeling like I was letting people down and really like my version of letting people down was being like not executing as well as I want myself to be executing and like their expectation of me being less than I I want it to be. Um, So that's where the pressure lied mostly, but it wasn't necessarily, it wasn't like fully an external pressure. It was a lot of it was definitely in my head and kind of learning to deal with that and understanding that. And, you know, as soon as I I would, you know, was telling uh, whoever it may be that was working on a project with me or whatever, um, once I'd like let them know, like, Hey, I'm got to put this on pause. I'm prioritizing different things right now. My wife is pregnant. I need to, I'm focusing on my family right now. There was no, it was only, it was really only met with like positive feedback, you know? So there wasn't that much negative pressure or whatever it may be. Um, it was all in my head and, and like a lot of like the failure even was in my head because I didn't necessarily like fail with all these people I was working with. I was, I was just like stopping, but there were failures to me because I didn't like, you know, live the life that I, these projects didn't live the life that I wanted them to. So I like inflicted these, the, the like failure onto myself. Um, but yeah, I think that answered your question. <laughs> I keep going on these roundabout loops of of explaining something, but anyway. Have you seen Have you seen the movie Chicken Run? Uh yes, yeah, yeah, the old animated one, right? The old animated one when yeah, the guy yeah. says, "It's all in my head, it's all in my head." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it just reminded yes. me of that man. It's just it's so That's true, so especially funny. as as guys that are high achievers. It's like mm-hmm. we put so much more pressure on ourselves to achieve things and it's like yeah well why do we do that it's so interesting how how we do it and mm-hmm. like we continue to do it like we learn once and then we do it again it's like this vicious oh. cycle but yeah dude i do it even still like i see it in myself and i'm just like okay don't make this like your full obsession you know and you it's fine you can you can you don't have to give this the the crazy amount of value that you think you need to give it like that's the one thing that i've been trying to figure out is how can i work as hard as i possibly can on something as if it is my full obsession i guess like during work hours really apply myself in that you know 
crazy way where I am very efficient and I'm working really hard and building something, but I'm able to like flip that switch off to where it's not my like life obsession. It's the only thing I care about. And kind of like what what we kind of talked about at the beginning with like separating your identity from the thing itself. Yeah. Do you think your, your childhood and how you grew up, how did you grow up by the way? Did did you think that sort of led you to this kind of personality trait you reckon? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, part of it, I think a lot of it was, it's kind of like, genetically handed down a bit. I actually do in the book, I talk a lot about the history of my family and um, on my dad's side in Cuba, like my, my grandparents were very, very wealthy. Wow. And like, I think it was my great grand, I forget where it was either my great grandpa or my great, great grandpa, but he had like successful to the point where he his name was what the baseball stadium in Havana was named after. Oh. Like Rafael Conte was yeah, like like that level and baseball was everything in Cuba. Yeah. You know, during during that time but then my grandparents fled landed in New Jersey with like nothing. You know, and then but the, like knowing my history and knowing that like that was there's like drive and ambition and entrepreneurship and all of that during that period of, of like my lineage, I guess, and seeing it kind of rebirth. And my, my grandpa ended up being the first mayor of Key Biscayne down in Florida. Once after they moved to Miami, it's uh, one of the keys that are off the, off the coast of Florida. Um, So he was, he ended up being the first ever mayor of Key Biscayne kind of like working his way up there. And then, you know, seeing my dad with commercial real estate and everything that he was trying to build there, starting his own business. And, um, you know, over the years, it's funny, even over the years, then with me leaving, getting out of the house and seeing his career trajectory go up as, as mine and kind of like doing it side by side with my dad, obviously in completely different fields, but it's, uh, that's been pretty cool. So there's definitely a lot there, just like the wiring of our family. But then because of that, you know, my dad always really required excellence sometimes to like an unhealthy extent Yeah. to where, you know, it was probably like pushing me and my siblings a little too far with like the, I don't want to say nitpicking because that sounds bad, but just like the thing, like when we wash the car, there could be <laughs> one dirty spot within the cracks of the rims of the, of the wheels, you know, like that, that sort of thing. Um, and yeah, I really think that kind of led to, and even from like a father to son perspective, knowing that like, oh, I'm, I will get approval from my dad. Yep. If I do this thing, like I will wash the car better than any kid in the state of Florida will have washed a car, then I'll get approval. So like that sort of um, upbringing, I definitely played a hand, but I don't know, you know, how much was like nature versus nurture kind of thing, but they're, they're both there for sure. Yeah, my grandfather required, well, he taught us the value of excellence. He wasn't to that extent. I think that's a bit extreme, mm-hmm. the difference between excellence yeah, yeah. and perfection. Uh, mm-hmm. But in saying that, I used to work for someone who tried to be kind of like a mentor, so to speak, to me. Mm-hmm. But he demanded a, 
the level of excellence that you are talking about. Like I would clean the office and then he'd get his finger and, and go across the table. And then if there was a speck yeah. dust, he'd just be like, do it again. But no matter how many times I did it again, he'd run the finger across and there'd still be a speck of dust. Like yeah. you can't, there's no such thing mm-hmm. as perfection this side of the world. Like if you're going to do that, you're just going to be miserable, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. No one's ever going to achieve that level. So mm-hmm. stop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is the thing. But yeah, breathing into your family and, and speaking about all that stuff with the time that we have left, I, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about the story between you and Jess, because you did, a, I believe, a long distance relationship. Is that right? Very long. You're saying that? Yeah. Yeah. So we were, um, I'll, I'll do a cliff notes version because the book has, you know, all the little details, but, um, yeah, you won't pay where to get the book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, you know, if I if I said every little detail, we'd be here for the next hour and a half. But um, I, I was living in Los Angeles at the time. I had a buddy who was Australian who was also another Viner, and we met at like a convention in New York. He was staying with me for he was supposed to only stay with me for a week, and then he ended up staying with me for like the whole month of November. Um, but at the end of it, so Jess was he was Australian, and Jess was following him on social media. She saw me through his like Snapchat story or something like that, or like on Instagram. And she ended up DMing me like a month later, just saying like, Hey, I'm going to be in LA. Do you have any churches that you would recommend? Cause I saw your Christian and I want to visit churches around there. So she already had a trip planned out about a month or so after she ended up messaging me. Um, I ended up seeing it because I was, I got my wisdom teeth pulled and I was back home in Florida laying on my parents' couch for a week. And I was, you know, killing time, went through DM, saw hers. And, um, we, we like talked a bit over the course of that month. Nothing like crazy. I did want to like call her to make sure that I wasn't getting catfished or anything. I was like, you know, trying to get the facts straight. Uh, but there was nothing like, maybe a little flirting or whatever, but really when she got into town in January, um, or was it, it was like end of January, beginning of February, she got into town. We, I started hanging out. I picked her up for the first time. We went to church, went to lunch. Um, and from then was when we really started talking and, and hanging out. And she was there for a few weeks and we just really got to know each other over the course of that time. And then we're like, okay, you're, you're going back to Australia. Are we going to do this long distance thing? Because if we are, this we need to like, yeah, make sure that it's this is we're going to start dating. This is the real deal? It's long distance. It's going to suck because the Pacific Ocean is between us. And um, yeah, really, when we when she left, we thought it was going to be five months till we could see each other again. And then, but it ended up working out. So that was the beginning of 2016, and it ended up working out that over the course of that whole year the longest time we actually spent apart was six weeks because she was able to come back like a month and a half later. And then I think she then came back another like month and a half after that. Then I went out to Australia. Then she came back and I went out to Australia. And so we were kind of like plopping back and forth for a bit. Um, but by the end of the year, we got married because we got uh, engaged in September, which was like eight months after we we started dating, which was pretty quick, but you know, we were tired of doing long distance and I was like, all right, 
let me propose and then we'll figure out what we do with the wedding. Um, and then, yeah, we realized that family could only travel no matter where we had the wedding family could only travel around Christmas time. Like that's when, you know, holidays and things lined up because school, school calendar, like the year calendar is different because the seasons are different. And, yep. you know, we had, yeah, it's all, it's all your school year starts in January or starts in August, September. Yep. Um, so it was, it was during that uh, period of time during Christmas. So it was like, okay, we can either do it in like three months and do it this Christmas or wait another year and three months and do another year and almost a half of long distance and then do it the next Christmas. And we were like, nah, we're not going to do long distance for another year and a half. So that was like a, that was a crazy year. Cause then that's when we started, we started filming videos together and started vlogging. And that's kind of like when the relationship and the next, I would say like for me, the next wave of my career because grew because um, like I had done my whole like Vine version of the career and growing there. And then there was like a first wave of growth. And then the second wave of growth was when we started vlogging together on YouTube. And it was like a whole new audience, a whole new like crazy rapid expansion of of our career and and everything. So that was yeah it was pretty cool to do it alongside jess as well when you're doing long distance how do you know that that person is actually the one honestly i feel like it's kind of easier to know because it's a lot easier to break up when you're long distance because like ah it is too hard you know um it really tests your trust with each other, which I'm sure you yep. <laughs> are aware of. <laughs> um, and, and for us specifically, it was interesting because we only had a time to talk in the morning and at night for both of us. Yep. So like I'd wake up, be able to like text her or call her for a little bit in the morning. Then she'd be, go, she'd go to sleep. I'd go through my whole day. Then I talked to her a little bit at night. I'd go to sleep and then she'd go through her whole day. So there were like, it wasn't like, a continual checking up throughout the day and knowing what each other are doing. So there was like, there had to be trust. Like while I'm asleep here in the U S I have to trust that you are being, you know, faithful and trustworthy with your activities and your time on the other side of the world. So that was like a big thing. And one, as that trust was really built, that really set up a solid foundation for us to really know, you know, if we could trust each other on opposite sides of the world for a year, um, we we knew that we would be able to trust each other when when we're living, you know, under the same roof together. Don't recommend long distance relationships at all. But yeah, in saying that, it is like the time that you do get to spend with that person is just unreal. It's yeah, just, so valuable. You have like this bench up energy that you long to see them and mm -hmm. you can't see them <laughs> for a while. Yeah. And then when you get there, it's just like release all the energy. You know what I mean? It's just, yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. I never thought that I would be in a long distance relationship, but not we I don't have like the Pacific ocean to deal with. Yeah. Yeah. You're, that's a different you're in story. The, I was going to say you're in the same time zone, but that's only for half the year. Then it's a one hour, right? Cause 
Queensland doesn't do daylight savings. Which is another weird conundrum. Yeah. <laughs> so she's she's an hour uh, she's an hour ahead at the moment. So I guess we're trying to remind each other that that is the case. Yeah. But when you mentioned that Jess slid into your DMs, that's exactly what mm-hmm. my girlfriend did to me. Really? Yeah. She, oh, dude, we're on fire, bro. <laughs> <laughs> so she she's the one. She heard me on a a friend of mine's podcast that I was on sharing mm-hmm. my story and she just decided to send me a direct message and I was like okay fair enough I was thinking okay is this person actually real like legit yeah, yeah. social media you know you, you never know yeah, you never know yeah had a quick stalk she's absolutely gorgeous and I'm like nah 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 this can't be real at all too good too good to be true too good to be true right and then all of a sudden uh I sent her my phone number. So I'm like, straight away, see if you're real. Let's call. And then we ended up having a over an hour, almost two hour long phone conversation. Wow. Deep and meaningful, getting to know each other. And then she did something because I was in the middle of launching my first book. So it was extremely busy for me. Mm-hmm. And she decided a few months after us just conversing, she's like, you know what? I'm going to get on a plane. And I'm going to meet you for the first time. So she flew to see and to meet me up in the sunny coast, which was a massive thing for me uh, that she would actually do that. So I was like, you know, seems like she flew out to you. Mine flew out to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. That's awesome, man. (laughs) um, Because who who do you know really that that does that for somebody else just to see? I mean, it's just yeah. Anyway, that's my yeah, short, that's awesome, short man. version so you, of the story. So you guys started dating after you had already left to Queensland. So yeah, uh, I left for Queensland in May uh, mm-hmm. of this year. And then yeah. I think two months, two, three months after, we started talking. I think in July-ish. Yeah, yeah. July. Um, June or July, whichever one. No, sorry, yeah. June. And then she came up in July. There we go. That's right. I was like, she's going to test you on the dates at uh, some point. Big time, man. Gotta you know gotta, them. <laughs> you gotta remember. Um, and then we officially started dating, I think, end of July, early August, I believe it was. Nice. So it happened really, really fast. But the more we've gotten to know each other, the more things have gone through together, the more you're starting to realize, hey, she's she's special. Like, we yeah. just we get on really, really well. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. So you're, you're fresh. You're a few months in. Yeah, man. Yeah. I'm getting there. Well, dude, I wish you, <laughs> I wish you, I wish you guys the best, man. Thanks. That works man. Out. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, enough about me. I've got to bring more awareness to, to you and, and your story at the moment. A few quick final questions for you, if that's all right with you. Yeah, uh, let's go. What do you love the most about yourself and your story? And then secondly, what do you love the most about Jess? Hmm. What do I love the most about myself and my story? Wow, that's a good question. Um, I, I I really think that what I love is that I'm able to use it and use my story to impact other people. And I I try and share that within the book. Um 
I wrote the book, obviously using my story as like the vehicle, but it's a book that's about my story, but it's not, it's doesn't end with my story. It's to help impact other people's stories. And I, I talk about how everyone has a specific story. It might be more dramatic than the events that I have had in my life. It may be less dramatic, but regardless, there's things that you've gone through. There's, there's lessons you've learned, failures that you've learned from. And, um, you're able to pull from those things that you've gone through in your life to help impact other people. And that doesn't need to be minimized and you can still do it in without being prideful about like my story is awesome or anything like that. You can, you know, reflect on your story and like have gratitude towards the experiences that you've had and things that you've learned and and use it as a vehicle to impact other people. Um, so that's, that's one thing I really appreciate, um, about my story is that I have been able through our YouTube videos, through the book, um, and whatever, maybe even like through music that I've released where I've, you know, shared bits of my story in a different, uh, package, I guess I'm able, I've been able to use my story to impact other people. And that's been, that's been really, really cool. Um, and kind of, you know, it's a definitely a privilege to say that, you know, someone else's life has been changed because of, you know, what I had to say or, or, you know, the experiences that I've shared. Um, so yeah, that's my favorite thing about my story about my favorite thing about Jess, my favorite thing about Jess. There's so many things, but I guess my favorite thing is that I get to live with someone every day who is constantly without trying making me a better person. And I know that's very cliche, but like her, her kindness, her patience, how she acts as a mother, how supportive she is to me, all of the things that she, all of her attributes and, and her characteristics that she has, um, that she has and has grown into and has developed is like, um, not, not a mirror for myself, but like a, a, something I can reflect off of to then view myself from, I guess a mirror. Yeah. Where I'm, I look at her and then I can just like automatically, I'm automatically challenged to be better because of her without her trying. It's just her living her life. And it makes me better in that way because there's, there's things that I see that I know I, I am not as good at and I need to, you know, be kinder to other people or, uh, have more patience or whatever it may be. It's yeah. It's just such a really, it's such a privilege to live in the same house as her. Show her that part of the interview. Nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I'll just fast forward to the end. Yeah. Okay, babe, check this out. <laughs> get, get to that bit, man. You'll probably get a hug yeah. as a result. Um, yeah. <laughs> where can people get a copy of your book before I ask you the final question? Yeah. So um, in the US, it is 
on Amazon. You can get a copy on Amazon, um, Barnes and Noble. You can actually go into this in store to Barnes and Noble and it is, it's there, uh, online at Target, you know, most booksellers have it. Um, it's different for every country, which is something I'm trying to, our audience is pretty global. We have 70% outside of the U S so, um, yeah, like in different places in, in Europe, there are, there's on Amazon, it's available. They'll, they should be restocking at some point soon. That is many steps out of my control from the publisher to then rights being sold to other regions of the world or whatever. But, um, Amazon and other countries in Australia, I know that, uh, Kurong will have it or if they don't already have it, they should have it in store as well. If you want to go pick up a physical copy. Um, but like you mentioned before, Australia is always like pretty delayed on yep. receiving books for whatever reason. Yeah, I don't know. Like, Europe, here, man. I don't it's get bizarre because it. Europe had, Europe had people in Europe could, were getting the book before us in the U S yep. and like we, we did it in the U.S. Like what? <laughs> so the whole anyway. ocean between us, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like only a yeah, little one with with Europe. <laughs> that's true. That's true. That's true. Um, yeah, and then um, if you're anywhere else in the world, there's a really great website called BookDepository.com, and they ship. Uh, they they're based in the U.S., but they ship worldwide to almost any country, and they also have free shipping option worldwide. Yep. Um, if if you know, you don't want to pay for shipping They have that option. That's free. And, um, you can get it there. So I know that, you know, that website has, has shipped to places like the Philippines and India and people who have bought the book and in other parts of the world. So yeah, it's, um, different in different regions, but well, yeah, you can, you can also find it by a quick little Google search if, if you need to. It's not hard to find. Just type in your name. It will definitely come yeah, up. Yeah. Yeah. That. Also, in Australia, Booktopia has yeah, it. Booktopia is great. I yeah. know. I'm actually, so there's a Kurong not far from my house. I might go actually check mm-hmm. it out today and I might see if it's in there, see if they've got it, see if it's arrived yet. Yeah. Uh, but I'll definitely make sure everyone knows where to get a copy of the book. Links will be perfect in the show notes. But uh, my final question for you, Gabriella, this is my all time favorite question. I love asking my guests at the very end. It is a hypothetical one but I want you to imagine with me for a moment that you've been able to reach the age of 100. All your friends Mm. and family have decided to put together a film for you of everything you've ever said and everything you've ever done. Don't ask me how in the world they got it all. We'll call it magic for the sake of argument. They've been able Mm. to get it and show it to you on your 100th birthday. What do you want that film to say and to show about your life? Hmm. I would love to have created, I guess from a vocation first, have created things that impacted people in a very, very positive way and that expanded just beyond myself. And then from, from my, from my family, 
being able to look back at if I hit a hundred, potentially three generations below me of godly offspring who are carrying the mission of our family forward in a, a way that I couldn't ha have done myself. It's a good send off message for people. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it, man. That's a, cool. that's a good question. That gets you, <laughs> it gets the wheel spinning. Up here. Left, the, left the best to last. I like making people think right at the very end. Yeah. Good. Love it. But, Love uh, it thank you so much for your time today, man, your wisdom, your advice, and definitely your story. And for joining me today on the Storybox podcast. Thank you, Ralph. Appreciate it, man. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 